When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today on Barca Talk, FIFA has publicly opposed the plan to play a La Liga game in Miami. Mark andre Stegen has shoulder issues. Barca B suffers two losses, and the Barca women are also suffering mixed results. The first team were drawn by Inter Milan in the Champions League and lost to Real Betis in La Liga. But at least Messi is back in action. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. This is Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York. And joining me as always from Madrid, Spain is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. What's going on? Yeah, it's going good. Uh, you know, um, we had some friends visiting for the weekend and they just left the house. Uh, they were staying with us. So the house now is uh, much quieter and, uh, you know, there's a lot more access to the bathroom, which is great. Uh, but it was really great to have some have these friends visit us for the weekend. They're two of our favorite people. They had to leave Buffalo when um, there were a couple, and uh, one of them got into school at Yale. So now they both live in New Haven. But so oh, nice. yeah, so it's it's uh, we missed them terribly, and so it was nice to have them back. So that's that's what we've been doing this weekend, and overall the past week has been you know ups and downs, normally as usual yeah. for me. What's up with you? <laughs> Uh, not much. As we talked on Thursday, we have another holiday weekend here. Of course you do. <laughs> in Madrid. <laughs> so we had the Puente. We had uh, the 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 festival of the city, basically. Like, I think it's the patron saint, Amulena. So, uh, of course, we had Friday off. So it's been quiet around here in the neighborhood. Um, I just went out with some friends this weekend. I told you before we, we started recording, I went out last night to this bar that's an incredible bar. I mean, they have this band that plays cover songs all the time and every month they just switch up the catalog. And so we had, we had a good time last night. So wish we were there. Yeah. I wish I had been there as well. You know, it strikes me that a lot of people joke about how many holidays are in the Jewish calendar. Like that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a common, it's a trope, right? It's kind of, it's kind of hack comedy in a way, but I I think there's a whole, a whole well of of humor to be drawn from the (laughs) frequency of Spanish Puentes. Of course. Of so course. many I mean, holidays. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of the things of, you know, being in Spain that it's, you know, majority Catholic, right? So most of the holidays are respected as Catholic. And so that's just the way they use it. So this past holiday was a Catholic type of holiday. And so they just accept it in the city of Madrid and everyone gets to benefit from it. So, I mean, is it a, is it a particularly religious country though? I mean, it doesn't during- seem like it. But I mean, they'll take the Semana holidays. Santa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> during Semana Santa, it is right. You know? But uh, you know, I, you know, I, I think people do go to church here often. But I, yeah, I don't know if it's particularly religious. Oh, you so. haven't you haven't done a detailed study to? No, I will get back to you at the end of this week, though. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, getting into a couple of Barcelona news items. Of course, we have two matches from the first team to talk about, and of course, we want to bring you up to speed with Barca B and the women. So a lot to talk about, but uh, briefly, we do have two quick news items. Big news for me. This actually came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, we just sort of caught up on it that uh, FIFA president Gianni Infantino said after a FIFA council meeting that the governing body opposed the plan to play a regular season La Liga match in Miami. And that plan hatched by La Liga president Javier Tebas and Relevant Sports the marketing company that organizes the International Champions Cup, is coming up against opposition from the Spanish FA and now FIFA. So it wasn't an official rejection of the proposal as of yet, but it could come to that. 
And a spokesman for La Liga said, should we receive official notification from FIFA that they prohibit the match, we will take the case to the court of arbitration for sport urgently. Nice translation, right? Thank you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, my feeling about this all along was that they started this process to eventually have the game for next season. Right. You know, that was my kind of thought process about it because I knew about, you know, the 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 players being against it, the league uh, being for it and all that stuff and just having all this, you know, and now we have FIFA opposing it as well. So I always thought it was going to be meant for next year, but they had to start talking about it this year. And I really hope this does get canceled because more and more, you know, I just think it's a bad idea and I think it should just stay here, you know, just continue doing the preseason in the States, gain the fans through that and just have the La Liga games here in Spain. Yeah. And Oh, Speaking of, uh, you know, trying to get the La Liga brand more recognized in the United States, I just want to let you know, Gabriel, since you're in Spain, that last night on Saturday Night Live, Kyle Mooney was seen wearing a Barcelona jersey in one of their sketches. Oh, nice, nice. It was like, it was one of those video sketches where they're doing a song about how, like, the United States is all divided, but there's so many things that we can agree upon, like how we hate it when college students go on semester abroad and come back with an accent. Then <laughs> <laughs> they cut to Kyle Mooney wearing a legit Barca jersey. And he oh, says, nice, like, nice. been to Barcelona? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So you can see Barcelona is coming more into the mainstream consciousness, you know? Yeah, and so we just need little things like that. We don't need to have a competitive La Liga match on U.S. soil. Exactly. I mean, I, I just think, you know, from the logistics standpoint of it, of the planning was going to be a complete nightmare, you know, especially trying to get it done right after the holiday break, you know. Yeah. So I really hope this gets tabled. I don't like the idea. I just think it should just continue to, the games to be in Spain. Yeah. Come visit Spain if you want to come see the games. Exactly. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> now, second item, uh, Ter Stegen apparently has a shoulder issue because he was not called up for Germany in this upcoming international break. And Yogi Löw, the Germany boss, says it's because Ter Stegen is having these issues with his shoulder that he will get treatment for during the break, and he just wants to let him rest. He uh, also went out of his way to say that Ter Stegen has been playing really brilliantly for Barcelona and that there will be time for him to play for Germany. But right now he just wants to let him rest. So I say, thanks, Yogi. I appreciate it. Yeah. I didn't know he had this issue and I know apparently it's not debilitating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like you said, you know, he's going to get the rest, you know, unlike uh, Alba who got called up to the Spanish national team. So, um, you know, I'm I'm still curious that Yogi Lowe is still the coach of Germany because just of their past performances and so forth. But again, I just want Ter Stegen to be the number one for the German national team. I think that's coming. They're still using Neuer as the first, but uh, he just has to wait his time. But again, Ter Stegen in the last couple of years has been uh, one of the best goalkeepers in the world for sure. Yeah, and hopefully whatever these shoulder issues are won't um, cause him too many problems moving forward and that – Hopefully the treatment that he gets during this break will be, you know, good enough. Um, and then he won't have to sit out too many games in La Liga for Barcelona. That, of course, that's when I discovered that he had these problems. That was the issue that came up for me. I could I don't especially care whether it's taking place for Germany or not. Yeah, nor do I, because, you know, we don't have a rooting interest with the German national team. And, you know, I prefer the players to get the break now, especially if it's not a World Cup qualifying match, right? If it's just international friendlies, I prefer if they can just stay and get some rest because uh, we have uh, such a lo- Nations Cup. This oh, is sorry, a competitive tournament, Cup. man. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The competitive friendlies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's still such a nightmare. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I I prefer them to get the break, right? Because selfishly, we want them to perform for Barcelona because there's so many games coming up this season. Precisely. Now, turning to Barca B, they had two games this past week, a quarterfinal match in the Copa Catalunya last Wednesday and a league match in Segunda B on Sunday. The Copa Catalunya is a one-game knockout tournament and Barcelona lost to Sant Andreu 1-0. So the boys in Blaugrana are out of that tournament and Sant Andreu are on to the semifinal against Espanyol B. The league match with Teruel ended with the same result as the midweek match, another 1-0 loss. It was an away game against the Aragonés side, and despite their substantially worse record, Teruel scored the one and only goal and held off the possession-hungry Barcelona. They're down to 8th place in Group 3 of the Segunda B division, and next up for Barcelona is a home game next Saturday against 11th place Cornella. Maybe they'll score some goals. 
Now, getting you fully up to date with the Barca women is Michelle Taylor. Mixed results in the last two Liga games, another international break, and a favourable draw for Barca Femini as they head into the business end of the Champions League. After the nil-all draw with the Levante, Barca bounced back in the next game against Real Betis. Played in the mini-estadi, Tony Dugan rattled the crossbar in the third minute of the game as Barca quickly established control with some quick passing and pressing. Aitana Bomati scored in the 12th minute when she headed in a lofted assist from Haida Hamraoui, but despite the dominance, 1-0 remained the score when the half-time whistle blew. That quickly changed six minutes into the second half when Bomati caught a couple of better defenders by surprise as she fed a quick pass to Tony Dugan, who muscled off the defence and nutmegged the keeper. Dugan was visibly relieved to have opened her scoring account in La Liga. It's taken her six games, in which she's played 300 minutes, to finally find the back of the net. Her lack of goals hasn't all been down to her, though. The team plays differently when she's on the pitch, as she's often an isolated figure at the top of the attack, with little support around her when she does get the ball, and a midfield that's too far back to get in there and help her. What she does very well is to keep the opposing central defenders busy, which creates gaps for her teammates to exploit. That means Duggan plays a sacrificial role most of the time, which must be incredibly frustrating for a player who loves to score goals. When Tony doesn't play, we see a different setup, where the Barca midfield plays a bigger role in the attack, and we see four or five players in the box hunting for goals. Why we see this difference in team setup is a mystery. I call it the Sanchez effect. Only the coach knows why. A midweek Champions League game was next, and the team flew out of a wet and cold Barcelona to a wet and colder Scotland to play the second leg of the round of 16 tie with Glasgow City. Barca won the first leg 5-0 and quickly extinguished any Scottish hopes of a miracle comeback when Tony Duggan scored in the 13th minute. Centre-back Andrea Pereira sent in a beautiful vertical pass for Tony to run onto and she beat Glasgow's high defensive line to slot past the keeper. With that goal... Barca eased into a display of, we have the ball, we pass the ball. Pep Guardiola would have been proud. Three minutes into the second half, and Alexia added the second. The credit has to go to Vicky Lozada, who started a diagonal run in midfield across the goal face, feeding the ball against the angle of her run to Alexia, who gathered and scored. Three minutes later, Tony Dugan had her second goal in the game, as she chested the pass from Andresa Alves to turn and shoot past the keeper. Game, set, match. It was great to see 18-year-old Candela Andujar, promoted from the B team this season, get her first minutes in a Champions League game as she replaced Natasha Andonova in the 68th minute. Special feelings for the Masia player, who started with the juvenile cadet team when she was 14. The team returned to Barcelona on Friday, only to be on the road again on Saturday to play Valencia on Sunday. Barca started well, pressing and looking for a goal. But as the game went on, it became apparent that it was going to be another of those games, one where nothing goes right. It looked like the Levante game all over again, playing with heart but not our heads. It wasn't as if Valencia was doing anything remarkable. For the whole game, they took seven shots, only two of which were on target, and there were gaps in their defence that, on any other day, Barca would have exploited and scored at will. But almost every shot that we took was off target, 26 of them. Of the six shots on target, only one of them forced an unworldly save from the Valencia keeper, a curling top corner shot from Lika Martins that would have sealed a late victory. But it wasn't to be. Another nil-all draw that we simply can't afford. Before the match, it was announced that Mariona Caldente was a later mission for personal reasons. The team took to the pitch wearing black armbands, and not long after the game had finished, it was announced that Mariona's father had passed away the night before. It's difficult to critique a team for its performance without knowing how much the death of Mariona's father impacted on the players that day, but I will be critical in one area. Once again, Sanchez didn't make use of his four subs, using only three. At one stage, Alexia was seen warming up on the sideline, but then the camera cut to her sitting back on the bench. The Sanchez effect once more, another instance where he can't say that he did everything possible to try and win the game, just like in the Levante draw. Another two-week international break is now in effect, with 15 Barca Femini players dispersing to their national teams. Lika Martins is the only one with two official games as Holland plays Switzerland. The winner will qualify for next year's World Cup in France. Holland won the first match 3-0, with Lika scoring the second goal, so all looks good for the Netherlands to be in France next year, providing that they don't fall to pieces in the second leg. 
17-year-old Claudia Pino is away for the whole of November with the Spanish Under-17 team as they compete in the FIFA Under-17 World Cup in Uruguay. The other 13 Blagrana players are involved in friendly matches as their teams prepare for the World Cup. Ten players are with the Spanish senior team playing Poland and Germany. They won 3-0 versus Poland and Alexia scored the second goal. The win was dedicated to Mariona and her family. Next up will be Germany. At number two in the world, it's the highest-ranked team that Spain has played in recent times. Tony Duggan is with England, and she captained the Lionesses in their win against Austria. Next is the home game versus Sweden. Elise Busaglia is with France, and Andressa Alves is with Brazil, and the two teams will play a match in France. That wraps up the news on the international break, and now there's more Champions League news. The draw for the next rounds took place at UEFA headquarters on Friday and the outcome of that draw affects the quarter-final, semi-final and final stages. It's only fair to say that Barca received a very good result, one which could potentially see them reach at least the semi-finals or even the final. Barca's opponent in the quarter-finals will be Norwegian side LSK Kavina. Scandinavian teams are always at a disadvantage in UEFA competitions because of their different playing seasons. When the quarterfinals are played in March next year, LSK will just be starting their new season and Barca will be in the final three months of theirs. Should we progress to play the semi-finals, the opponent will be the winner of Slavia Praha, Bayern Munich. Yes, Barca has avoided the big guns, who are all on the other side of the draw, Olympic Lyon, Wolfsburg, Chelsea and PSG. Last year's finalists, Lyon and Wolfsburg, will meet in the next round with Chelsea playing PSG. The luck of the draw means that Barca has one of its best ever chances of reaching the Champions League final. It's now up to the team to make it happen, and the manager. But before that, there's a lot of Liga to play, and Copa del Arena. The first Liga game after the international break is on the 18th of November, at home in the Mini versus Atleti Madrid. Because of the two draws against Levante and Valencia, we're four points behind Atleti, which makes this match a must-win, if Barca is to have any hope of winning the Liga. And all that we've heard from the team is how winning the Liga is the priority this season. A loss to Atleti would mean a seven-point difference, and with Levante snapping at our heels in third place, there's a lot of fighting to do in the Liga before thoughts turn elsewhere. It's crunch time. Visca Barca e Fossa Barca Femini. That was Michelle Taylor. Follow her Twitter account, at Barca Women, for ongoing news and updates on the women's team. We'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll review the Champions League match in Milan. All right, we're back. This is Barca Talk. And first up, we want to talk about the Champions League match with Inter Milan. This was at the San Siro in Milan, and the result was a 1-1 draw. And, you know, Inter have proven to be our biggest competitor in this Champions League group. I think we were expecting it to be Tottenham, but it has not shaken out that way at all because Barcelona beat Inter 2-0 in their first leg at the Camp Nou, but at home, they were the strongest defense that we've had to contend with. Yeah, and, you know, we knew that was going to be a tough match because, you know, the away matches, especially in Italy, the way they just play much better, right? Especially, for example, last year with the Roma match and also just our previous history with these Italian teams. But, uh I really want to go to this stadium. It's one of uh, my kind of uh, bucket list stadiums that I want to go to because this stadium is, I clearly remember in the 90 World Cup when Italy was hosting, this was like one of their new venues. And so every time it just, there's something mythical about it, you know, and oh. uh, it looks really cool. But, you know, on this night with the rain, the angry Milan fans, I knew it was going to be a tough match, man. So much rain. It was so bad. Correct. The conditions were horrendous. Yeah, that's one way to diffuse our passing for sure. Just right. Because, you know, the ball is just so slick, our first touch. And also just, you know, we saw a bunch of times Coutinho getting stepped over by the ball. Um, you know, the shots that we had weren't as accurate. You know, just it's the great equalizer. Yeah, I mean, you want the pitch to be wet, but not flooded. <laughs> Correct. And it just looked miserable too, right? Because it's winter here. It did not look fun at all. Yeah. Well, what did you think of the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like the lineup. I thought, you know, especially for the last week, this was going to be our strongest lineup going forward, um, especially Dembele being inserted. I thought he was going to definitely help us. Um, you know, it's just speaking about the rain now, the speed 
was going to give Inter problems defending him. And it did. He was able to exploit some of those. And of course, you know, just Coutinho and Suarez picking up the slack. I mean, Coutinho had a great match. And also, you know, it's our strongest defense and our best midfield going forward. Yeah, I mean, this 11 is clearly, I think, Valverde's preferred 11 at this point or uh, in Messi's absence. It was certainly his preferred 11. You know, like you said, like when Messi's not available for whatever reason, we can go with this lineup and it's still very formidable. Yeah. Well, but the the sad story, though, was that we just we had a bunch of shots, good shots, but and good chances, but they just were not going in. Wriggled to the edge of the box, fires over. Suarez does really well to get the better of screen. He opens a space for him, but just not able to keep the shot down. It's out to Dembele, cleverly done. Suarez blocked the shot, and it's scrambled away in the end by Milan Skriniar. Here's Coutinho, might get a shot away here. Hit De Vrij and Suarez, and Handanovic blocks it again. So that was, in the first half, 12th minute Suarez, 30th minute Dembele. Suarez took it as a pass when I think it was actually meant as a shot. He got in the way there. And then in the 42nd minute, Coutinho, his shot was blocked. And then Suarez took a shot the second time and that was saved. The good thing, you know, that we've kind of talked about sometimes that we we become passive on the road and we don't take these shots. We try to make, like we always do, the most artistic goal that we can possibly. And in this match we were definitely trying to shoot uh, as much as possible to create chaos and havoc and sure enough we were unlucky to get a goal yes and the second half was not a whole lot better now what can barcelona do they've got a three on two suarez interact getting men back quickly here he is suarez back to rakitic is this their moment should have scored big block by handanovic still loose it's gone behind it's gone behind it won't count Headed up and away by Vrishalika, only as far as Coutinho. Makes room for the shot, deflected, Handanovic parries. That was uh, from the second half, the 60th minute, Rakitic had a shot, and then in the 62nd minute, two shots in close succession, Suarez, then Coutinho, and just none of them, none of them going in. You know, and the official stat is that Barcelona took 26 total shots to Inter's 10, and eight of those were on target. But that on-target count doesn't include blocked shots, and Coutinho had at least three shots blocked by defenders. I think they just knew with the conditions um, and also just trying to get a goal, right? Because as, as long as we got that first goal, we were going to be in the driver's seat for the rest of the match. And that also allowed us to not take on their attack as well because we constantly were attacking them. They didn't have the opportunity to really go at us, you know? Um, and so I thought, you know, for sure that we looked really strong. I thought for, you know, the, the conditions were optimal. I think we score easily four goals right there. Yeah, but uh, we did finally get a goal, but it was late, and it came from none other than Malcolm. You know, we've we've been clamoring to see Malcolm play more after his Copa del Rey start in the previous week. Maybe Valverde finally saw what he wanted from Malcolm, so he got he got subbed in on the 80th minute and then scored in the 83rd. Coutinho frees Malcolm. This is his big moment in a Barcelona shirt. It is. A substitute moments ago, and Malcolm gives Barcelona the one nil lead. And I mean, that was such a great moment for so many reasons, right? We were, we both have been wanting to see what he can or can't do, right? Because of what we saw in the preseason, we were excited about it. And obviously, he comes in and scores a really important goal, right? He comes in first touch, scores, right? And I think for me, the other thing was the emotion that he showed, right? I mean, that he cares. And then also the way the players support him. That's what I really love about this team, you know, apart from, you know, that I've been supporting, but the way they support each other, it's, they really are truly like each other, you know, that that's the feeling you get, you know, I am a body language expert. So I, I try to see these things and, and sure enough, it was just a great moment. I was happy for him because that ultimately can really help us going forward and, you know, giving him confidence and as well as Valverde giving confidence or getting confidence from putting Malcolm in this, in this lineup. Yeah. And you know, the only reason that you're even on this show is because you're such a body language expert. Yes. I have a PhD. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So will I one day. (laughs) It's like sort of, it's like kind of a sore subject at the moment, but everything, everything's on, on track anyway. Um, but it was, yeah, it was really good to see Malcolm get in there and score so quickly with his kind of direct style. And also, I think the way he took his shot, how he sort of uh, how he faked and then and then it came back for the shot. 
you know, he didn't even touch the ball. It was just dancing around the ball, and then he let his shot go. I thought it was a really clever finish because he didn't even take an extra touch. He just faked and then used the fake as his on his right as his plant foot and then let her fly with his left, and it was a really nice finish. Yeah, he basically used the defender as a cover between him and the goalkeeper, so that really was a really nice play. It was almost like a feint, like a like he moved to the right and then came back to the left and just hit it really quick. The defender was unable to react quick enough. And yeah, again, it was a really good goal. And obviously at that moment, I thought for sure we were going to get the three points. However, that did not happen. Yeah. I mean, I really thought that that was going to be it. And all the commentators on the broadcast that I was watching thought, okay, that's it. We've, we've got the win. Now we're going to clinch this group. And then in the 88th minute, Icardi scores for Inter to equalize. Busquets stretched, but not enough. Icardi shot. Now can he get it away? I thought he shot. I mean, this is the thing that kills me sometimes. It's just how lackadaisical our defending is at times. More so this year than we did last year. You know, last year when we talked, we always said, you know, our defense has been really on, you know, on point. We're really fundamental this year. Valverde has really put his thumbprint on the defense. And this year is kind of, I wouldn't say that bad, but it's just in the key moments of matches. Like in this moment, all they had to do was just play tighter defense, not lunge, not be lazy. And that's what happened. We, we lunged for the ball. We didn't get it. And it was just a you know mop-up goal, basically, for Icardi. And he was able to do that. And, and the thing was, the goal response was in two minutes. You know, it wasn't an injury time that was built up of momentum. It was just instantly they scored a goal. And it was just, come on. You, you just can't. You know, we could have won, the, the, won the group that night with those three points, you know? Exactly. And... It was one of those plays where they just, I mean, it was kind of sloppy in a way because Inter was just throwing the ball in the box. Just get it in the box, get guys in there. As we've talked about, you know, there it can be pretty effective to just create havoc, to create chaos in the box, throw the ball in there, throw a bunch of guys in there, and uh, it worked out. It, it almost makes me wonder if this is one of Inter's specialties. It <laughs> could be. It's like, just throw the ball in the box. Yeah. We'll see what happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, this is the thing is that, you know, if we win the group that night, then we can rest our players and go with a B squad on the following Champions League match, you know, because we have the group clinched. Those are opportunities missed where we can, you know, rest players and use it. And just for what, for a lack of two minutes of concentration, you know, the match was almost finished. It wasn't as though we scored in the 60th and we had 30 minutes to hold out. It was just eight minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah. It was really disappointing. Um, But still, you know, not a bad result. As like you've mentioned, we could have clinched the group with a win in this game, but I guess that's just going to have to wait until the next match with PSV, um, which is on November 28th in Eindhoven. And I think that we can clinch the group with that match i think we can beat eindhoven on the road and then in at least in the final match against uh, tottenham in the group stage we can uh, give some players some rest and maybe rotate in some some other players yeah definitely i think you know especially with the goal inside of winning the group i think we should be able to win in eindhoven and obviously with Messi back we'll have a strong 11 as well going for that match as well Coming up, a Real Betis side that will not quit attacking came to the Camp Nou and dealt Barcelona a harsh blow. All right, we're back and in the final act of this episode. <laughs> we we are here to talk about the loss to Real Betis in La Liga at the Camp Nou. It was a 4-3 loss and... You know, Betis are a team with a lot of quality, including two former Barca players who were in this 11, Mark Bartra and Cristian Teo, who I always liked at Barcelona, but they couldn't quite reach the level needed at the time. Betis last season finished La Liga in sixth. They qualified for Europa League this year. And despite that, they're having a bad time in La Liga this year, sitting in 15th place going into this match with only 13 points. But obviously, they have a lot of quality. Uh, They are actually doing well in the group stage of the Europa League got two wins and two draws out of their four group stage matches and then there was of course this result where they were they came on the road and they brought it they were totally up for it they they pulled out all the stops as we say yeah definitely i mean betis is one of those teams that's always fun to watch because they don't care about defense (laughs) (laughs) i mean they don't they do not care about defense they're all about attacking i mean just with their back line they always play with a back three so right there just shows you that 
their midfield is going to be stacked and also they're going to be more attacking. And sure enough, that's what happened in this match. Last weekend, they played against Celta, one of the most exciting matches of La Liga of the year so far, as we kind of talked about it between you and me. And again, Betis is always one of those uh, teams that I liked to play because I know it's going to be a back and forth affair. And boy, was it today. Yeah, it was just insane. And I felt like the first half was, well, the first half was almost a little more scripted, but the second half, everything just blew up. But before we get into that, uh, let's talk about the lineup. The The big news here, of course, is that Messi is back. Yeah, Messi was back and also Malcolm getting the start, right? And, you know, he was able to get the start because of the Dembele situation that's happening here. Um, as I was telling you before we started recording that on Thursday, I believe, in training, Dembele didn't show up. And they were trying, the players were trying to text him. The training staff were trying to call him and he had no answer. And then uh, later on, it was reported that he had the stomach flu. And so there's kind of a gray area going on with him. So I don't know if it's from partying, being late, not showing up. And obviously Valverde just left him off the team completely for this match. So uh, that gave the opportunity for Munir and obviously Malcolm getting the start in this, uh, in this match there. Yeah, and the thing that Phil Shane and Ray Hudson were talking about on the broadcast here was how stomach problems and a stomach bug are code for when there are disciplinary problems. Even if the oh. medical staff is saying, oh, he has a stomach bug or, you know, he's he's sick, that's still just code for some kind of disciplinary problems. Of course, that's all speculation. That's unsubstantiated. But uh, yeah. it's it does seem to sort of check out with – um, Dembele's behavior as far as being late to training, missing training, and all that sort of stuff. The other thing, too, there's no one pushing him out the door for his position, right? So he's in the driver's seat. He can show up late because the, the board paid so much money for him, and Valverde has his hands tied with it. Yeah, he can keep him off the bench and not play him as much, but you know, to us as fans, we want him to play because he's a talent, right? And so he's def- he just needs to – man, he's just – Get the training, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's so simple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's it, it's a bummer for the club because I think it's if he continues with this, he's going to wind up being uh, sold for less than we paid for him, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely could happen. But obviously the good news, too, is Messi coming back. I mean, he didn't look like he missed anything, obviously, because the injury was to his arm and not to his two golden feet. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so, yeah, I mean, he had – you know, probably one of the best performances uh, for Barcelona in this match, for sure. Yeah, I thought he looked brilliant. But also, Coutinho was left off of the squad, and I'm not sure as to why Coutinho was also sitting in the stands. Yeah, he has an injury problem with his hamstring. Ah. So that happened, I think, right after the game against Inter. It's something acted up, and so he's going to be out for three weeks. Oh, that's not good, because no. I mean, speaking of this loss, I think... Coutinho's absence was really strongly felt in in this loss. Correct. Uh, just having the outlet, right? As we talked about in the intermatch, when Coutinho was so brilliant with those um, receiving the ball and starting the counter, we definitely missed that today. But, you know, I don't know if it was so much that, you know, obviously we lost and the result was bad, but I think that uh, Betis just had a really outstanding game plan going forward and that just really exploited us today and we did not adapt. No, we certainly did not adapt. And also, uh, let's get into Betis because they scored two goals in the first half to our none goals in the first half. Uh, both of them coming down our right side. Junior was just using Sergi Roberto, and they got those first two goals. Say, do you take him on? Fearful driving on Roberto. Oh, he sneaks it through the barest of margin. Real estate for Carvalho, through for Firpo, across the six, deflected away, back post tail, in for Joaquin, to the back of the net, absolutely brilliant from Betty. Yeah, like we talked about earlier, you know, the formation they usually have is a three-back defense, right? So their formation in this, uh, you know, on the on paper was a 3-4-1-2, right? 9-5-3-4. 8-8, yeah. 13. But, you know, when they yeah, exactly, when they have the back three that allows you to flood the midfield and also just press forward easier, right? Cuz you just have so many options. And you know, they could have scored even two more goals in the first half. I mean, they were having that much opportunity. And the thing is, you know, Sergi brings so many good qualities. But one thing he is not, Brian, is a lockdown defender. And Junior just took him to task today. I mean, he was all over the place with his pace, especially with that first goal when he just topsy-turvied him, left, right, right, left, and then scored, you know? And I was telling my friend, you just can't give the inside. You cannot give the inside. It's just fundamentals but they, you got to hand it to Betis they found the holes between Alba 
and uh, Sergio Roberto. Obviously, they had more success on the Sergio Roberto side, but it was more to do with their formation. And I personally kind of wanted to get our butts kicked because I thought it was going to be maybe a wake-up call for how much more we had to concentrate on defense. Well, I think that we, even though we only lost by one goal, I think we did get that, well, I don't know. But I think they got that wake-up call. And if nothing else, Valverde is someone who can marshal a good defense. So I think over the, well, we have international break coming, but once they're back in training, or whoever isn't called up for their respective national teams during training, he's going to be drilling more defense. I mean, the thing is, at halftime, he didn't make any adjustments. He just made substitutions. And that, to me, was the wrong call because it was clear that we were not responding to what Betis was imposing on us. And we had to counter that, and we did not counter that. He put Vidal in for our tour, but he didn't change. He still let Alba and Sergi bomb those sides, leaving those holes exposed. Now, personally, I would have liked to seen them just stay at home just a little bit more, just to surefire the defense because we still had enough going forward. Especially, you just have to give the ball to Messi, and he can take care of everything. We don't need... <laughs> To, I mean, in this match, you know, we don't need to really link up the play as we normally do. And, you know, we had to stop them from scoring. That was that should have been the first objective, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. He he put in Vidal for Arthur, uh, apparently with the direction to just attack more. So more attack, more attack. But also <laughs> he's not making up for that with any more defense. <laughs> I know. It's just like more cowbell, right? It's just like, right. what? <laughs> I mean... But you can never have too much cowbell. That's this, that's, this that's the true. difference. <laughs> but again, it just, you know, I like for for me at this point in the match, right? Especially at halftime, where he could really make some really major adjustments to just say be more defensive, just be a better line going forward, and he didn't do that. And that to me was a little bit worrying. But again, you just have to give all credit to Betis. They came in, they did not play, uh, you know, but they didn't park the bus like other teams do. They came at us. And we just couldn't respond. You know, think about, uh, you know, Messi had a great performance, but think about how Suarez looked. He, his hand passing was back. You yep. know, like, just like you I, said, I knew right? it would be. <laughs> and, and as soon mo- as, like, what did I say? As soon as Messi comes back, Suarez's yeah. ham foot will return. And sure yeah. enough, it did. I was yelling out, ham foot, <laughs> during, the, during the game. And, and again, I don't know if it's the other thing, too, that, you know, like we said, the Benedicia of Messi, right? I don't know if... As soon as he gets plugged in, our whole team just relaxes again because it's like we have Messi. We don't have to give our extra 10%. I do think sometimes – I have a suspicion sometimes that tactically sometimes they, the players don't know what to do around Messi because Messi has this really free role, right? He can go wherever. He can do whatever. And I think sometimes I see players be a little bit confused by the degree of freedom that Messi has. They don't exactly know how to work around him. And if anything, they need to, Valverde needs to make sure that everyone else is sort of playing a a 10-man game where the roles are pretty clear or whatever. And then Messi can just move around that. Uh, It's almost like they need to ignore him in a way. Four, two, three, one. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you have a perfect point. I mean, you know, Messi is an amoeba, right? So he can go anywhere. But like you said, because of that, as we've talked about in the, this whole season, it leaves that right side open, right? We, Messi is such a playmaker, and that's why we need to have someone occupy that right. Again, I think it was the two things. I think Betis had an outstanding game plan, and we just were more relaxed. We just were not focused in the beginning, and Betis punched us in the mouth first. Yeah, and they punched us horde. Correct. <laughs> and that was just the first half. Because the yeah. second half was, I mean, really full of excitement. Um, but Barcelona were always chasing the game, right? So we, we talked about uh, the Vidal substitution. Later on, Munir came on for Malcolm. And I know that that filled you with confidence. I mean, I, I knew as soon as Munir came in, this was it. He was going to save us. And <laughs> we had the chance, you know? <laughs> See, and this is the thing, you know, with Coutinho's injury, Dembele's parting, our bench becomes thin. You know, Munir becomes that option to spring hope. But again, I don't think it's more about the players. It was just the setup of maybe just changing the tactics. If you're going to go for it, just go three back and just throw everyone up there, you know, counter their three back with our three back. Sure, exactly. But no, he stuck with uh, with his formation. He stuck with the plan. He just plugged different players into it. And then later on, this was kind of nice that Carlos Alenia got his La Liga, uh, his first La Liga appearance of the season. But oddly to me, he started for Busquets 
not Rakitic. As soon as I saw him on the sideline, I was just thinking, please let it be for Rakitic. But no, he took out Busquets. And then Rakitic uh, slotted back into Busquets' role. Yeah, I don't know if they were protecting him because he got that weird yellow card. You know, I don't know if it was something to that effect. Uh, but again, in that goal, the th- I think it was the third goal that they scored, Busquets would have been the person marking the guy. And right. that's the thing. You know, you, you, when you, ch- you know, it's like, it's like we, we've been clamoring for more subs and then it's, and then he puts in too many subs, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and the thing is, you know, Elena has no experience yet with the team. Uh, you're putting Vidal in there and you're asking him to have some defensive responsibilities and that's not his game really. And we gave up two goals in the second half and, you know, it's just crazy to me that we couldn't adjust uh, just some tactics in there and you know, send PK up there, m- make him the forward again in the 70th minute or something, because we were chasing the game, like you said, the whole time. Yeah, but to uh, let's start breaking it down almost chronologically, because so we, we went down by the two goals in the first half and then we got one back in the second in the 67th minute when Chris Teo uh, committed a, a foul in the box giving us a penalty. And I have to say, I was nervous that Messi was the one taking the penalty kick, but he took it perfectly and he put it away. Here's the audio from that. He's pointing and he is pointing to the spot. First penalties faced this year. It is Messi. It is a goal. That's, that's the perfect penalty kick you want to take up high to the right. Unsavable. doesn't matter. And uh, like you said, you were nervous. My friend was nervous that I was watching with. He's like, I don't know if I'd have Messi take the PK right now. But I said, nah, he's the PK taker, man. You just let it, you just ride with him. What I really wanted to see Messi do was run 30 steps like Neymar or Pogba before that, though. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Big lead up. Big lead up. Really quick. I don't know if you've seen the meme of Pogba doing the penalty kick where he runs. And they do side by side. They have Usain Bolt running the 40. (laughs) (laughs) And you ran the 40 faster than Pogba did the penalty kick. (laughs) I love the internet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, moving forward, just a few minutes later, Betty scored yet another goal. And this was, this came off of Ter Stegen's fingertips. Second try for Teo on Alba. Good settle. Shot. Lachelso. That was a real heartbreak. Yeah, because we were right in the match, right? We, we had that feeling the momentum was starting to build and there was still plenty of time. Again, it was just really bad defending. I mean, how many times did they have an overload, you know, on the initial shot and then they had six Betis players ready for the rebound? I mean, it's like four times that happened. So this was no different. Unfortunately, we just can't, you know, Ter Stegen can't save everything, right? And he should have done better. But, you know, unfortunately, it went back and... Uh, really, you know, bad luck on that save. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I guess he went to catch it rather than try to push it over goal, and he probably should have tried to just push it over goal instead. Um, but it went right through his fingers and just kind of bounced up and then floated into the the open net. It was a real, real bummer. But then eight minutes later, we come back with a goal from Vidal in the 79th minute. In for Munir, onside, Vidal! Yeah, and this was a nice goal. We were we were pressing, we were chasing the match, but I definitely did not see us coming close to getting the points for this match until obviously later on. But again, we were just pressing forward. We were trying, but when we did that, we were giving Betis opportunities on the on the counter. I mean, how many times they were just going four v three on us, you know? And uh, yeah, so but good goal on Vidal. You know, he's starting to get more time under Valverde. And I like to see that. Unfortunately, I would just like to see him maybe come in with 20 minutes left in the game or 10 minutes left in the game than trying to replace our tour. Right. And also that goal was uh, interesting because he got the assist from Munir on that. And I, I would have bet that Munir would have just gone for goal, but instead he dished it off for Vidal. Cause he would have missed it. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is Munir? Is he a center forward or what? I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> that's why he passed it, right? Because, I mean, it was a good decision because, you know, obviously Vidal had an empty net on that play. But, you know, when he was 1v1 with the goalkeeper, I said, oh, God, he's not going to – like, I just did not have confidence that he was going to shoot the ball and make it. But he made the right play, and they were able to get the goal. And the other thing, too, was, you know, uh, VAR came into the to the match plenty of times in this match, and it was undefeated. Yeah, well, I feel like it, it should have come in – 
maybe one other time because the next thing that happened, the next significant thing that happened was that Rakitic got a second yellow and he was ejected and that put Barcelona down a man. And the second yellow, that was fine. It was a it was a bad foul and it was uh, cynical, as they would say. But his first yellow card was totally wrong. I mean, it was a foul for sure, but it wasn't malicious. He was going, he was just going for the ball. It was an innocent, more or less an innocent foul as far as I can tell. But guess what? <laughs> he gets to sit the next game out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. That's you, the only way you can get a break. <laughs> you won't, if you won't give him a break, he'll, he'll find a way. Maybe that's what he was thinking. He's like, daddy needs a break. Here comes the tackle. See Maybe. Yeah. Like, no, but you have a good point. You know, the first one was bad, but you know, Rakitic should have done, should have known the situation better. Uh, there was really, he should have just chased the player down. You know, again, we always talk about these silly fouls, they're professional fouls because you're stopping the momentum of the play, but at the same time, at what cost, right? Um, but you know, like I said, now he gets a break. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be the only rational reason why he would have done that because he just had it. He's just had yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> But then finally, 92nd minute, Messi scores this brilliantly worked goal. And that was another, like you said, VAR had a perfect record in this game because the flag went up initially, but VAR overruled it and allowed the goal. Tucked across Suarez, back Vidal. Messi will tap it home, but the offside flag is up. This goal should stand. And they are going to count it. Yeah, it was a really nice goal workup. And, you know, the thing I thought for sure, well, we were going to get some more time from it, right? At least one more minute or two even, just because the buildup, remember, they were taking so long to verify it. He was not offsides. There was not offsides on the call. And so it was a really nice uh, play and passing. And, of course, Messi gets that second goal of the match again. He, he comes back from injury from three weeks and scores two goals. He basically had the best performance for Barca all around. And, unfortunately, it was just too short too short yeah and uh there was a you know of course there was a a fourth goal that betty scored and i'm I'm not sure if we mentioned it already but uh, you know like i said we were just always chasing the game and so even that late goal even though it was beautiful it just it was only it wasn't enough to uh even even get a draw yeah yeah because that fourth goal by betty's you know there was a hole left by pk but pk was chasing the attack right he was on attack for us trying to be the extra forward so on that play again junior led the charge again man for me junior was the best man of the match he was uh, up and down that that side on Sergio Roberto's side also playing really good defense but also his pass especially the pass on that fourth goal and also the finish on the first goal I mean he was he, he was a beast <laughs> yeah he had a great game and uh yeah it, it really is fun to watch Betty's play I like how attacking they are and how they just don't care about defense although i considering they don't care about defense i would have hoped that barcelona would have scored more goals that's that's a good point i mean we started off the game well right we had some really good opportunities in the beginning again we just couldn't find the back of the net but again we had the opportunity to to right the ship at halftime and we didn't he didn't make a tactical move instead he did a substitution and to me i just think that's you know, I don't know if maybe he just was more arrogant about, oh, we're just going to chase the match and we'll get the goals back. But the first thing you have to do is not let Betty score more goals. Right. And uh, that was obviously not not done. So <laughs> not we done. missed out on the three points. Uh, we are still one point ahead of Atletico and at the top of the table. And Espanyol did have the chance to be in the top spot if they beat Sevilla. We're not sure how that went down as of the time we're recording. But honestly, even if Espanyol won, it seems unlikely that they'll be able to maintain the results for the remainder of the season. Atletico, on the other hand, is a serious threat. So we are only one point ahead of them. But that's also who will be playing in the first match after the international break, the one that Rakitic is going to have to miss. Yeah, it's going to be a huge, huge game, right? Because that's going to be at the Wanda and... You know, they have a really nice advantage there. And, you know, Atletico always plays tough. I mean, they had a really gutty performance last night against Athletic Bilbao. They're just one of those teams that's the street fight team, you know. They're, they And especially not having Rakitic is definitely going to hurt us, but we'll probably see Vidal come to the match. That'll be a really important match for sure. Yeah, and on Atletico's side, they will not have Godin because he was, I mean, he was limping in that match Correct. with Athletic towards the end. So he's going to be out. 
and he's a, an incredible defender. I love Godin as a defender, honestly. Yeah. Um, but l- luckily for us, he won't be playing in that match. Yeah, it's a good point, especially on that goal, right? He scores the goal. He tries to celebrate, but he's like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I'm hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was one of those plays. But, man, I love Godin's game. He's such a he's such a gamer. He's I think he's the most underrated, underrated center back in the last 15 years because no one ever talks about him as a top center back outside of La Liga, right? If you ask anyone on the street that follows football, they may say, you know, John Terry or, you know, Sergio Ramos or PK, and he never gets mentioned with that. But um, Yeah, it's a real shame. And I think it's just because he plays for Atletico rather than Barcelona or Real. Of course, of course. and But again, it's just going to be a tough match. And, man, it's, it's, you know, we're starting to get these tough games sprinkled in with Copa del Rey and Champions League matches. It's just, you know... Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. You know what we did not have in this past week from any of the footballing sections of Barcelona? Hmm. Primo football. Oh. There was no primo football. I mean, there were some good moments, you know, but it was it was yeah. not a week of primo football for us. But remember, we had a primo football match in the Classico, so you can always hang your hat on that, right? So, Well, sure. You can always hang your hat on past glories, Gabriel. <laughs> but time moves forward. It does move forward. It does move forward. We can't win them all. Can't win them all. Yeah, but luckily, uh, some players will get a nice little break. Uh, some won't, but we'll, we'll we'll try and figure out what we're going to do next week in in the midst of that. And uh, but then you know we'll get to talk about Atletico the week after that. Special thanks to Michelle Taylor this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. We can't make this show without you, the listeners. To see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support, follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.